Hey, Katie. Hi, Ben. So uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about the Vickery auction, which is an auction that Google uses in AdWords. That's right. This is a continuation of what we started talking about in the last episode, which was all about auctions and how auctions are used to solve the problem of selling internet ad space. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, maybe go back, give it a quick listen, because all of this is going to make a lot more sense. You are listening to Linear Digressions. Great. So in the last episode, we talked about Google AdWords and uh, the ways in which we started talking about the ways in which businesses can uh, participate in this auction to figure out who of all those businesses gets that ad space that happened that pops up when you go to google.com and search for something like podcasting microphone, which is what I just did. And we also talked about an English auction, which is a type of auction that you probably imagine or you've seen in movies where you've got a person up uh, on a stage talking to a bunch of other people and people are uh, saying, yes, I'm willing to go higher. Yes, I'm willing to go higher. And then eventually you get the going once, going twice sold to the you know lady in black at the back. There are a lot of problems with that. And we kind of summarized those in the last episode, but the problems are winner's curse where someone bids too high in the heat of the moment. Uh, what was it called? Something sniping? Bid, bid sniping. sniping. Yeah, bid sniping, where you get your legs cut out from under you in the last five seconds, and you're like, "No, darn it! That's I. I wanted it. I would. I would go higher, but you know, this person got to it first. And what was the What was the third one, Katie? It was the gamesmanship that you can have when people are bidding on these things. That I have an incentive to act like something is less valuable to me than it actually is, in mm. order to try to get a better price for it. So um, everybody's bluffing. Yeah, that there's that there's this. Uh, oh, I wouldn't go a penny higher than this. When actually you would, you might go a lot higher, but you're sort of acting like you wouldn't in order to get a better price. Right. So all of these problems are definitely problems you want to avoid if you're setting up a system like Google AdWords. And so, um, of course, they don't use an English auction kind of style. They use what's called a Vickery auction. A Vickery auction. That's right. Or it's also sometimes called a sealed second price bid auction. And so the way that this works, this is actually uh, significantly different. It sounds kind of weird at first, but it ends up working out really nicely. So the way that this works is imagine something that now has the paradigm of kind of like a silent auction. Have you ever done one of those? Uh, yeah, where, where there's a piece of paper and you can kind of walk over, look at the item, decide you want to buy something and you write your name on a, a piece of paper and you just bid something that's higher than the person above you. Right. So let's imagine something that's kind of like that, only instead of seeing a list of all the people and what they've already bid, it's a basket and you write your bid on a piece of paper and you put it into the basket without uh, being able to see what the other people have bid oh, on it. Oh, okay. So you're not bidding a higher number than the person previous. You're just saying, this is what I'm willing to pay, period. And you don't get any information about what other people have bid. Right. So you get one bid and you don't have any information that's right about what anyone else has put in there. And that's oh. why it's called a sealed second bid price auction. We'll get to the second bid in a second, but right. it's sealed because I'm not basing my bid necessarily off of anything that anyone else has said. Right. So you can only bid once. That's right. Now, if in the example of AdWords, uh, that's not quite true. You're bidding over and over again um, for any individual click. It, it's sort of like a one shot auction. But um, of course, if I'm buying a whole block of ads, then I have a chance to bid many, many times. But yeah, you basically you, you get one shot. So then the way this auction works is the person who bids the most wins, uh, just like in a regular English auction, um, but they pay the price that is bid by the second highest bidder. So that's why it's called a sealed second price 
auction. Oh, interesting. Okay, that feels a little strange. So this is not as weird as it sounds, actually. It turns out that asymptotically, the Vickery auction, it's also sometimes called a Vickery auction because of the economist who wrote one of the important papers about this in the 60s. -hmm. And I will call it a Vickery auction because it's easier to say than sealed second price bid auction. Right, right. (laughs) So a Vickery auction and English auction actually give you the same result if everyone is sort of behaving themselves in an English auction. So what I mean by that is if I'm in an English auction situation where people are willing to bid up to their true value, where there's no bid sniping going on, where there's no um, sort of weird gamesmanship sort of thing, the, the, the person who wins an English auction will still be the person who has the highest overall bid, right? So let's imagine that you and I are, are going back and forth again over how much we're willing to pay for a podcast microphone. Right. And I'm willing to go to $90 and you're willing to go to $100, right? And so at, at $89, we're both in. At $90, I'm at my limit. And if we stop right now, then if I have the most recent bin, then I've won. But you're willing to pay $91. In fact, you're willing to pay $100. And so you're going to bid 91 So at this point, I drop out and you've won the microphone at $91. So what you're paying is basically my bid or my bid plus a small premium, um, oh, even though you're sense. willing to go up much higher. So the price that you get at the end still does end up being basically the same. Again, if everyone in the English auction is behaving in rational manners. Got it. So if you had, if you had, let's say, a hundred people bidding for this podcast microphone, and two people went just totally nuts and bid up to like a thousand dollars or something, then because they were competing, the price would actually go that high. But if there was only one crazy person and everyone was willing to go up to a hundred dollars, and that one crazy person could have paid a thousand dollars, but in an English auction would only end up paying a hundred dollars or so they should get it for that price rather than their actual highest uh, limit. And this yeah. incentivizes people to actually put their highest limit instead of trying to bluff their way through it. Put their highest limit at the in the Vickery auction? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's the thing about a Vickery auction is that I have an incentive to actually bid my true value. Um, mm. Because think about it this way. If I win, then let's suppose that this, this podcast microphone is worth a hundred dollars to me and if i win then i get it for ninety dollars then sort of the amount that i've won in that auction is ten dollars right because it's the difference between what i think it's worth and what i've actually paid for it so i'm coming Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i'm coming out ten dollars on top if i'm one of the people who loses the auction Mm -hmm. then i'm still coming out okay like i haven't won the microphone but i also haven't ended up overpaying for it right so you don't get winners chris Because you're never going to pay higher than your actual true value. That's right. So the things that can happen is I can win the auction and I get the item for less than what I was willing to pay for it. So that's awesome. Or I can lose the auction because I haven't bid enough. And in that case, I don't win anything, but I also don't lose anything. In this situation, I don't have any incentive to bid anything other than the actual number that I think it's worth. Because there's no, first of all, there's no gamesmanship in terms of trying to get you to like raise or lower your bid based on what that might do for me because it's this sealed one shot deal. Right. The second thing is that I can run up my bids to be super, super high, but it's not like that makes it necessarily more likely for me to win. Um, So whether I bid $100 or $1,000, I still get the microphone for $90. The 
drawback to bidding $1,000 for my $100 microphone is that I might win and then I'm potentially mm. on the hook for mm-hmm. whatever weird person thought that this microphone was worth $900. Um, so now I'm paying $900 for a $100 microphone. So I don't, I don't want to be in that situation either. So what I should say is I, this is what I'm willing to pay for it. And then if I win, I'm going to get it for less than that. And if I lose, then then I've avoided a situation where I would have had to overpay in order to end up winning the uh, the auction in the first place. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Yeah. It, 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 in fact, it seems like we've addressed the three problems that we identified with the English auction. Yeah. Yeah. And so sort of the economic way of, of saying this is that I was diving deep into the economics literature to try to understand this. And there's this thing in economics called a dominant strategy. So the idea is I'm in this sort of slightly adversarial situation, right? Like I'm trying to win this thing and um, I have to come up with a way of responding to the things that you might do. And so you might have this whole way of, of trying to figure out gaming bids to try to get me to do weird things. And then I might have these other weird bids that I might do in response. And in general, there's you know, these are called strategies. Like, what am I, what am I, if you do A, what am I going to do in response? Or if, if I do B, what are you going to do in response? And so these strategies have a way of playing off of each other. And um, in the literature, there's this thing called a dominant strategy. And the dominant strategy is, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to give me the best outcome that is generally possible in this situation. And so it doesn't matter what you do. I'm just always going to do you know, the thing that I'm going to do. And that's my dominant strategy. And that's not always possible. There isn't always a dominant strategy for certain situations because the thing that might work best for me might be dependent on something that you're doing. But in the Vickery auction, this is this is something that's really nice about it is that there is a dominant strategy. There's something that you should basically always going to give you the best outcome that, that you could have given the things that you, the resources that you have and the things that you want to get for them. And the dominant strategy is just to bid the the true value of the item. And so that's really nice because then the, all the incentives are lining up that the people who, who want the things the most are incentivized to bid the amount that they value them. They're the ones who end up winning the auctions. The people who lose the auctions aren't overpaying for the things that, that they're trying to get. And also that in general, people trust the, the auction in a way maybe that you wouldn't necessarily trust other kinds of situations. That in general, when I'm going into a Vickery auction, I know that the other people that I'm bidding against have an incentive to actually bid their true value. And so I, I kind of don't have to worry about this mind games aspect of it uh, yeah. as much as with other situations. Yeah, it, it seems like a very, it seems like an auction without the drama, which, you know, for like a movie is probably a, a bad thing, right? Uh, but for something like, something very pragmatic, like how are we going to auction off uh, AdWords and ad space? to a bunch of different businesses really quickly. Uh, you know, Ben hits google.com, who's gonna get that ad space? A Vickery auction, I mean, you don't want something that's melodramatic and everything for that. You just want the very pragmatic version of it. And this seems to be exactly it. Yeah, so there's a couple things that I wanna add on for this particular case of the Google auction, because there are a couple tweaks that they made to this that I think are really Brilliant. So uh-huh. Vickery auctions, first of all, are used in a lot of contexts. So things like mineral rights actually are, are auctioned off by Vickery auctions. One of the things that Google does that I think is really brilliant is that they don't just award based on the highest bid. So if I'm an advertiser, I buy a block of ad space, I'm saying uh, for every click that I get, I'm willing to pay Google whatever, a, a dollar. And so if, if this were Yahoo, so Yahoo uses a, a slightly simpler algorithm or at least they did when all these papers were being written. So if I were Yahoo, if I bid, 
a dollar and you bid 75 cents, then I win the auction, I pay 75 cents, end of story. And so then every time uh, somebody clicks on my ad, I pay 75 cents, 75 cents to Yahoo and, you know, end of story. Fairly straightforward. Wait, hey, Katie. Yeah. Would it, would the dollar actually win in that case? Because Yahoo wants more money? No. No, because Yahoo also uses a second price auction. Oh, okay. Yep. What Google does is that the amount that goes into actually winning the auction is not just your bid, but it's your bid times a, like an ad quality factor. Um, so this is, imagine sort of the way that the, that the Google algorithm works in general. And, and the idea is that it wants to serve up um, the links that are the most relevant. And it has this very complicated formula for s- trying to describe what that means. And so oh. Google's pretty good at, at saying like, what's a high quality result? And so the thing that gets returned is going to be not just who's willing to pay the most money, but this convolution of who's willing to pay the most money and who has the best uh, link that they're trying to direct you towards. And so if I am a podcast microphone advertiser and I decide that I want to buy ad space for hotels, I can bid a bunch of money, but I'm probably still not going to do super well in the auction because there's other places where if people are Googling for hotels, they don't want to see my my, my podcast microphone page, right. Right? right? They want to see a hotels page. And so the hotels advertisers, even though they might be bidding less money, are still going to actually win that auction because they're winning on the ad quality metric. That's really brilliant. So Google is treating all of the different ads that are competing for that space uh, almost in a similar way as they're treating their organic search results, which is they're they're letting them kind of fight it out based on the quality. And whoever eventually wins is determined both by whoever is willing to pay the most money plus whoever's ad is most uh, relevant to the search itself. Yeah, so two important things then that happen as a result of this. So first is that thing that you were describing at the beginning of of the last episode, which is where you were playing around with podcast microphone ads or no, I'm sorry, uh, data science, right? Yeah, I searched for data science and I got two results and then I refreshed just to see what the other ads I would be served would be. And I only got one result. And then I, I refreshed again and I got no ads served to me. And so then the way that you were thinking about it a little bit was like, oh, this might be a play on Google's part that they don't want to just be sending me tons and tons of ads because at some point that's kind of a turnoff and I leave right. Google's service. And so Google in general has an incentive, um, you know, not just to be serving me up the, the ad that makes the most money at any given point, but the thing that's going to keep me using Google. Yeah, absolutely. The second thing that is going on, though, with this formulation is that the general currency for how Google and Yahoo and other places like that, how they actually get paid, there's there's three sort of ways that you can think about this. If I'm an advertiser, I want to pay every time somebody makes a purchase, right? So let's say I'm, um, you know, North Face. And so I want to serve up ads when people start um, searching for winter coats, but I only want to pay when somebody buys a winter coat because that's when I, you know, sort of have the money in hand. And for me as North Face, like that's that's the metric that's that I want to be using. Yeah. yeah. If I'm Google, I'm pulling in a different direction. I want to be paid every time I serve up an ad, regardless of whether somebody clicks on it or not, or whether somebody buys it or not. I'm saying as Google, like that's not my problem. I've done my end of this, um, you know, this right. transaction. Sort of I the, showed the ad, I want my penny. Right. And so sort of the middle ground that it seems like the market has kind of converged on is Google gets paid every time somebody clicks on an ad. So maybe they buy a coat, maybe they don't. But but North Face is also not in this situation where they're paying out lots of money 
when Google's serving up ads if nobody's ever, you know, clicking on those ads. So, right. so cost per click is sort of this middle ground. And so if I'm Google, I have a big incentive to be serving up ads that people are going to click on. And so that's right. the other aspect of this quality metric is it's not, if I'm Google, the amount of money that I make is not just about who's willing to pay me more money, but it's who's willing to pay me more money times how many people are willing to click on their ads. Uh, and so having an explicit term in the equation that says that you get a bonus if people are actually going to be clicking on your ads is a way of me like very directly uh, optimizing for probably how much money I'm going to make because I'm serving up the, the thing that you know actually makes me money, which is the thing that people are going to click on. That's also brilliant. That's fantastic. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.